So without further ado, uh, I'm Ben Goldsmith from Balderton. I'm chatting to Nick Hungerford, who's CEO and founder of Nutmeg, who's here at Balderton HQ this evening to speak at French Connect's event that's bringing a lot of uh, big brains in fintech together for the evening. So if you hear in the background noises like people setting up for an event, that's probably because that's exactly what you're hearing. Uh, also, excuse Nick for being a bit sniffly. I think you've been a touch under the weather recently. I will absolutely do my best not to convey that whatsoever. <laughs> but uh, may I say how spectacular your office is looking today. Oh, thank All you. All ready to go under the lights. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'll post a picture alongside this uh, purely audio-based phenomenon. Otherwise, that's just a bit like, bit like teasing. We should introduce a, uh, a webcam, shouldn't we, like they do on the radio now. So everyone can see the wonders of Ben's uh, shirt today and uh, some very you a fan velvety, of velvety trousers almost. <laughs> My velvety trousers may or may not feature in the picture that accompanies this podcast. But without further ado, I thought we'd chat to you, Nick, on the subject of financial literacy, as it's something I know you've been vocal about in the past, you have your opinions on. Um, But before we go into the solutions and what banks and governments and companies can do to improve financial literacy, what's the nature of the beast at the moment? is the UK particularly good, particularly bad uh, in terms of levels of financial literacy? What's the state of play? It's a bit of a disaster. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that you know we're the 15th ranked country in the world, and uh, that's you know that's a good thing because we have to we have to measure it by our own standards. And the reality is that the vast majority of people can't do simple uh, multiplication, and uh, something like uh, 87% of people can't work out percentages, which when you think about how finance works, how how finance functions, so much of it is done on percentages, that really is a key statistic. And this isn't just financial literacy for children, which is where a lot of the conversation takes place. If you Google financial literacy, it's about, uh, you see articles about kids, about what's going on in the national curriculum, but this is adults you're talking about. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's very well uh, saying that uh, we should educate children and that's the correct thing because... Once you've got it into your brain at an early age, much like a language, then it becomes second nature. But the reality is that hasn't happened for the last 60, 70 years. And there are people out there who haven't had that education. And it's not their fault. Uh, We have to do something about it, though. So it's both ends of the spectrum. It's making sure that we keep up the pressure on education, but there is a lot of pressure on that. And, And modern teaching incorporates things that are very relevant. It's also about the community uh, of people who are out there who have never had the chance to learn uh, and quite frankly are just baffled by some of these complicated terms that people use in finance. So you say, you know, there's a lot of, uh, we should look at the people that haven't had the chance to learn, but wh- why are we in that situation? Is it because no one was banging the drum beforehand? Why weren't these quite key skills taught to, taught to the previous generations? Well, there's two answers to that. The first one is exactly what you said. Uh, no one was banging the drum for it before. And of course, education, you know, if you followed it through, did have a much heavier maths and science content. So it was possible to work out percentages as a result of what you were doing in pure maths, statistics, you know, mechanics, all those, all those type of classes. Uh, but there is a second reason, and it's not such an obvious one, and unfortunately it's not a very pleasant one to talk about. And that is that the financial industry in itself has become uh, you know, an entity where by simple concepts, um, you know, aren't that, I guess, how do I say it, you know, aren't that worthy of, uh, of being paid to explain. So what happens is that the finance industry has taken very simple concepts, made them expensive, 
and then charged a lot of money to translate them back. And that, unfortunately, is the big problem. It's not that the concepts themselves are that terribly difficult. It's that the way they're expressed by financial firms, the way they're expressed by financial companies, the opacity, the paperwork, the highs behind them, have made it such that we need greater education and, and skills to understand them. So almost what you're advocating is untangling. There's been a lot of people in the financial services industry that have been almost deliberately complicating a lot of... Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Deliberately inserting jargon where jargon need not be. So how, how do we start this untangling? Is, is Do you have ideas? Not, not that I'm saying, Nick Hungerford, it's your job yeah. in uh, the next 30 seconds to explain how we, how we achieve the financial nirvana, but how, how do we take the next step at least? Well... You know, so just to, just focusing on that second point about the financial services industry doing doing a bad job about making things more complicated. There, there is a very simple solution, and most companies recognise this, but for some reason in our industry we seem to have got it wrong, and that's to become focused on what the customer needs. And you know that sounds quite trite and it sounds quite easy, but actually, if we think about things from the customer's perspective, then we would never talk about you know APRs and PPIs and anything else in the acronyms that we use, we simply don't do that. What we do is bank out or investment company out. And unfortunately, that means that we're just going to consistently uh, make things harder and harder for, for customers. So that's something that companies can do. And of course, Nutmeg, you would see yourselves as leading that charge, certainly making investment a lot easier for the man in the street almost. Um, however, what else can other other people do? I mean, certainly their government is trying. There's been pilots of schemes in primary schools, such as savings clubs, things like that. But is is that enough? Should more be done by the powers that be? Sure, sure. So, I mean, obviously you've got the, the push and the pull factors here. And let's just finish up on the industry. They, you know, everybody should be doing a lot more in the industry. I mean, the reality is that uh, you know, inside the industry, people are scared that if they make things too simple then they won't have value in themselves. And that's just wrong. Actually, what will happen is customers will trust them more. They'll buy more products. You know, we'll regain the status of the financial industry as, you know, as an important uh, part of the UK wheel, and, and we'll go on. In terms of the other entities that get involved, governments should absolutely support relevant education. And that's not just in maths, it's not just in finance, it's across you know, all the humanities and arts as well. Uh, but parents have an important part to play here as well. And uh, I think, you know, we, my sister and I grew up in a family where we were asked to make budgets and go out and earn money from an early age. And I think that lots of more parents are doing that now, actually. Lots more parents are increasingly showing the children the value of money. And then you've got third parties as well. So you know, we're in context, contact with people like Young Enterprise and, and the Personal Financial Education Group, PFEG, uh, who are heavily involved in, in educating children. You mentioned that uh, you're encouraged to go out and work from an early age. What was your first or at least most hilarious job? £1.25 an hour. I used to earn at the golf club. So cycling three miles to get at 5am, switching the greens, breaking the bunkers, getting the play ready for, for people that were turning up at seven. And uh, yeah, I remember it was great to get that money at the end of the day. Just to point out a, quite an odd coincidence, my first ever job was at... 14 or 15 years old, which may or may not be illegal, was also at a golf club, at a driving range, and I used to go there for half six, seven in the morning and spend two hours before the golfers would come in picking up the balls out of hedges and out of rabbit holes. I had to the tractor when I was uh, working on the driving range with one of those fancy ball picker up 
pick her up her machines on the front. Brilliant, that was. Best I, job of the day. I laid on the floor with my arm down a rabbit hole, chucking balls at someone with a tractor. All you needed to do, this is delegation. That's right. Or maybe the management training you needed. You needed to get a, a pack of dogs, train them to sniff golf balls, and they would have saved you from all the nettle stings and rabbit holes. If only I knew you when I was 15. <laughs> Nick, thank you very much for taking the time. And uh, best of luck on the panel tonight. Real pleasure. Thanks.